0: Welcome to Timely Wisdom with Drs. Silas Bradford, Sarita Wright, Brenda Wallace, Carolyn Carlisle, and I, and Vanice D. E. Burns. You can watch us live every Tuesday at 3 p.m. Central Standard Time. Follow us on Facebook, subscribe on YouTube. Our guest today is Dean Paul Brown of Phillips School of Theology. Is seminary necessary? This was recorded on September twenty second, twenty twenty. So um, we're blessed today to be able to have the dean, a Phillips School of Theologians, the dean of the Christian Methodist Episcopal Church, the only seminary of our of, of my denomination, and so very happy to have him. He was um, assigned. Um, he says interim, but but we know, but we say he's been dean since twenty fourteen. Um, And so we've been so excited for him, for his leadership. We have for us today, uh, Dr. Paul Brown. Um, He pastored for over 30 years. So those of you who are students of ministry, be aware that he's been a pastor for over 30 years before he was a dean to teach others of how to be effective pastors. He was born in Newark, New Jersey, Um, um, educated there. Um, He um, got a degree, a BS degree from Rutgers, I'm um, in criminal justice, come on, somebody. And he yeah. received a master's of divinity degree from Phillips School of Theology at the ITC. Yes, yes, yes. And then um, he received his doctor of ministry degree from United Theological Seminary in Dayton, Ohio. Um, he um, has been ordained in ministry back in the 80s. We thank God um, for his excitement, for what he's done. He's served, um, he's been served as a teaching assistant to Dr. Welchel. Um, uh, who was then the chair of the Department of Religion and Philosophy at Clark Atlanta University? He served as Continuing Education Instructor for Howard School of Divinity. Um, he um, has uh, also served um, in, in, of the leadership training uh, in the New York Washington uh, District Annual Conference of the CME Church for more than fourteen years. Wow. And so, um, as we say, that he's written many articles. Um, I'm you talking about somebody who can preach. This man can parade. All right. He Amen. Can, you know, y'all need somebody to run a revival. Y'all call him. He, this man can do it. He can bring it in. And so, but he's um, but but he has the passion, he has the zeal, um, the knowledge, he has the love. Um, he is a pastor's pastor. I know someone who was living up in the Philadelphia area who drove to make sure they got to church when he passed it in DC every Sunday. Every mm. Sunday. That's what kind of pastor he is. And so everyone, you are welcome, welcome um, to a timely wisdom today. None other than the Reverend Dr. Paul Brown, Dean of Phillips School of Theology. Hey, Dean.
1: Hey y'all!
0: <laughs> I
1: had to. I had to ask myself, who was she talking about? All <laughs> preaching. I. I've seen some of your previous hosts. You know, John Brian, I mean, Cynthia Harris, my dear friend. So uh, y'all talking about some preachers? So humble. I'm humble by that invitation. I mean that uh, introduction, Doctor Burns. And you're too kind. I love you to death.
0: you no you somebody's you, preacher, pastor.
1: Yes, what, sir. What's your cash at? <laughs> <laughs>
0: that was great. Oh, you you want to it? <laughs> <You wasn't laughs> I <it> love <laughs> So, um, so, so you, you've been the, the dean of Phillips School of Theology uh, since 2014, but even before then, you've been very instrumental um, in the theological education of so many. Let's just kind of jump in from the beginning right now. Um, these folk who say all you need is Jesus and you don't need no, no seminary um, for all that. And um, that the seminary is a cemetery. Yeah. It'll, it'll kill your zeal. Um, talk, talk to us um,
1: a little bit. That's too funny. I, you know, I'm laughing because when I was pastoring in South Carolina, I, I heard this preacher. I was preaching at a revival. And um, I was being introduced, and at that time I was going to seminary. And um, uh, uh, a preacher came up to me after, and you know, he didn't talk about the sermon or anything, but he said, "You know, I I, I hear them introducing you going down to that cemetery. Uh, I I just I, don't, I just I'm with up with belief. If God called you, that's all you need." And I said, well, you know, I respect that, brother, but I, I, I just want you to know that if God called you, it is not just a call to preach to me. It's a call to preparation. Everybody God called in the Bible, God prepared for them mm-hmm. to do, help prepare them to do what they had to do. So I just, you know, it is what it is. I know you you deal with that kind of nonsense. And um." My position and I, I wanted to let me just say this. First of all, thank you all for this invitation, uh, ladies of timely wisdom. And I want to let you know that I'm really, really honored to be here. And I I, I wanted to say by way of uh, an opening statement or you know comment that your title is Seminary Necessary is both timely as well as provocative in the sense that we're living now in strange times which necessitate difficult realities regarding theological education that we Mm -hmm. need to wrestle with, Uh, not the least of which is the question of the need for seminaries where when when persons can find much of what seminaries teach by just calling out uh, Siri or uh, Alexa (laughs) <laughs> um, and, but, but, you know, but the other Google. side of that is, right, exactly. You can Google it. But the other side of that is, you know, with the rise of these mega church, mega churches, the mega church phenomena and, and a lot of the leaders of those churches are not necessarily seminary trained preachers, but rather mm-hmm. persons that have a Bible college degree or a, a motivational speaker. Mm-hmm. They're training and ordaining their own staff who in turn are sent out to start their own churches. And so you have a process whereby persons never have to set foot on a seminary or campus uh, um, 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 where the professionally trained minister might be a thing of the past. I think that's the reality that we're dealing with people today. If you're charismatic you know, and you have the ability to communicate with folk. That's all people see, you know, and that's all they're concerned with, you know, uh, somebody that can just sit up there and, and say a few words, a couple of rhymes and things <laughs> like that. But 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 they're theologically uh, inept, if you will, yeah. and bereft of what the scriptures are actually saying. And I believe you do more harm than good when you're dealing with something like that. So I rebuke that. I rebuke that mindset mindset because I'm just crazy enough to believe that there are persons out there who are still being called by God. And there are persons out there who understand their calling to be a call of preparation for professional ministry. And thus seminary will be there to answer that call. So I wanted to just say that Dr. Burns
0: so so let me let me ask you you this um because you you, you you talked about um, some I guess what we call in-house training what someone who's listening here now who's saying you know I hear about the seminary but I've seen um, what what are some things that that they can receive from seminary training what how will seminary make them a better pastor or a better preacher or a better chaplain how, how?
1: first of all let me just say this being a pastor of the work that you do as a pastor is about communicating with people, being able to properly communicate with people, not just the word of God, but the things that they need to know for their day to day lives. Now, seminary helps you to do that in a professional way, because the truth of the matter is most of us know how to talk but when when it comes to being able to talk theologically and to talk about issues that people are dealing with, why is my daughter not responding to me, not knowing that she was raped by her father, her Mm -hmm. Mm stepmother. okay? And that comes to the pastor's desk. And the pastor is a person who doesn't know anything about pastoral clinical education. Uh-huh. And they're sitting up there trying to talk and walking to somebody dealing with that. They don't have the sense to know. There's some things that I don't know because that's the that's the challenge and the problem, particularly in the black church, because historically, all the answers that you needed, whether it be financial, uh, sexual, sociological, whatever, they, the, it was thought that the preacher had all of those answers. And consequently, the black pastor which we have gone through historically, this knowledge that we're supposed to have all of those answers, and therefore which Oh
0: no, Nicole! Come on, oh not, not now, not now. Ooh. Oh, that's Ooh. A powerful,
2: oh. Jesus!
0: Come on through, come, come on, on come on, internet! Not today, y'all! Come on, no. come on. <laughs> Right now, God release in the name of
2: Jesus mm. yes, 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 I know that uh, I know that dr wallace can can relate to that when people not having that background and having that that knowledge about how to handle, especially when we're dealing with our family. You know, when you're dealing with your family, you feel like you just got it all together, and then you find out, uh, wait a minute, this is this is hitting close to home. You know, it makes a big, big difference. There we go. It's
0: coming back up. Sorry about that. All right. Okay. Go. Woo. Yeah. Oh. Okay. <laughs> yes. Sure. Yes, Lord. Oh. Lord. Okay. Okay. There we go. All right. You you, you were given the example of of pastor clinical education.
1: Pastors, you know, we're confronted with a myriad of issues and problems and questions, a lot of which we're not trained for. Mm -hmm. And then we don't have the sense to say, you know what? I don't know the answer to that. But let me point you in the direction of somebody that does. But rather we'll sit there and try to resolve an issue for which we are not qualified to resolve, and we end up creating more problems in the process for the person. And this is why I think, again, seminary helps you to understand that. Seminary helps you to understand you don't know as much as you think you do. Mm -hmm. Seminary helps you to realize that there's more to the Bible than the 66 canonical books that we commonly know as as the Hebrew Bible they are more writing That's that hard. you have no knowledge of, mm-hmm. which raises questions about the Bible itself. Right. Mm-hmm. So that in and of itself is a reason for you to realize you need to get some training.
0: Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Wow. So. So, Dean, I'm, I'm, I'm going to ask this question because I, I was trained at the ITC. And um, I realized hey, that when God, I, I got my. You look like my, you were. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I realized um, I went to um, a white undergraduate university, University of Georgia. Um, and but when I was answering the call to ministry, walk, getting ready to walk in for the preparation, I said to myself that I did not want to be theologically trained um by predominantly white faculty or staff. And so I, I I'm I'm going I'm gonna step into this. I I, I want I it, it is there is, it. is there a, a difference or what what how can it benefit an African American preacher to be trained theologically um by an African American um, uh institution.
1: The elephant in the room, if you will. (laughs) Black theological education. We're, we're, We're often put to task for that kind of narrative, black theological education. However, in so many ways, as is the need for HBCUs, is the need for black theological seminary, why? so that our story, our existential realities and the, the complexities which accompany them need to be told for us, by us and with us continually. Otherwise, somebody else will tell it for us and interpret for us the God of the Bible and the Christ of eternity. Let me, let me give you an example by this. Now, and you, Dr. Burns, you and I were talking about this briefly last week. Black folk know intuitively that there's an issue with police and the way they treat and deal with black people. We know mm-hmm. that. It mm-hmm. has been our reality in this country since its founding. But yeah. you have white evangelicals who postulate the idea if you just act a certain way and you be Christian or you be kind or whatever, and you just do this, do that, you know, you'll mm-hmm. be fine. That has gotten us killed too. You're right, oh. and so what I'm saying to you is, mm-hmm. you know, there is a Eurocentric view of this world, and then there's a an, an Afrocentric view of this world, for which white people are totally mm-hmm. detached.
0: They can come. Totally
1: right. They're totally detached mm-hmm. from that reality, and mm-hmm. that's that's the problem that mm-hmm. I have. Well, you know, this is the other thing now. Let, let's be honest. And, and all of us have had this discussion in our own private circles. When you make the comparison of this man who's leading this country now and the person before him. The fact of the matter is there's no way Obama would have gotten away with or done some Come of the things that now. this man is doing now. And here's the, here's the caveat to that and bringing this thing full circle. You have the evangelical church. The evangelical supporting. church. Yeah, the evangelical church, right. church mm-hmm. who reports this brother. <laughs> Perpetuating the behavior. It's yes. It raises the question, which Bible are y'all okay. reading? Mm-hmm. What God are you talking about? Yeah. You know, did you're talking about a man who goes out uh, who, first of all, clears a mob, uses force to, to clear what he calls a mob, but clear demonstrators by force just so he can go across the street to take a photo op and then put the Bible up upside down because he doesn't even know how to carry the Bible, much less read the Bible. But this is the man who they say support is mm-hmm. God fearing. You know, yes. and. They, they, these are the contradictions which mm-hmm. have to be challenged, and African American preachers and Black theological seminaries are there to do and teach and train to mm-hmm. do and help their preachers just do that. That's right. Hello, somebody. Hello.
0: Okay. okay. And so, and I, I know my sisters have some other questions. Let me let me ask you this: We a um, few weeks back, we were we were blessed to be able to have a New Testament um, uh, scholar um, on um, with us in discussion. And I don't know um, if, if you can also talk about this because a lot of lot of persons, especially if they say there is no need for seminary, when they're going to their commentaries, right? That <laughs> most of these commentaries are written mm. by persons That's who come from a that That's don't right. look like us at all. But yet um, we have more now um, African-Americans that are Old Testament scholars or New Testament scholars. But can you also kind of share with this audience about, about the the racism that occurs in keeping blacks from become, getting PhDs in Old Testament, getting PhDs in New Testament and writing and for these commentaries.
1: Child, where do you want me to begin? <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> the fact of the matter is I, I, I thank God for the Dr. Lisa Allen McLawrence, the Dr. Maisha Maisha Handy. I thank God for these uh, black female scholars, the late Dr. I Lynn Smith Darden, these women who have uh, earned their PhDs. And but I would gu- I guarantee you they will all tell you it was wrought with heavy racism and sexism. <laughs> and those issues are still prevalent today. Even applying, applying for a PhD program. You're gonna hit stumbling blocks and roadblocks, and you can be the best qualified because let's, I really need to say this. Don't think just because you wanna get a PhD in some type of religious study, whether it's Hebrew Bible, Old Testament, New Testament, systematic systematic theology, whatever. Don't think it's a a done deal that you're gonna be accepted into any. No, it's not. In fact, it is probably more difficult for you as an African-American person, and you have to have every I dotted and every T crossed because That's you're going right. to be scrutinized more heavily than your white counterparts. That's, That's just right. the way it is. That's life. The right. Vanderbilts of this world who give out PhDs, and I, uh, I'm sure some of the people in your chat can um, vouch to this, whether it's Duke, particularly Duke, Duke, particularly Duke, they are very strict about who they accept into their PhD uh, religious study program. So it's it's a challenge, but we have to keep pushing and knocking on those doors. Uh, and let me just say this: CTS. I, oh, I can't remember his name now. But recently started a PhD, oh, yeah. a PhD program in Frank, preaching. Frank. Frank Frank Thomas. Yeah, yeah, Frank. Frank Thomas yeah, just Chicago. started two yeah. years preaching ago. Preaching rhetoric. Two years ago, right? There was no PhD program in That's preaching. Right. Nowhere, not even at a white seminary. Yes. Okay, the late Dr. Henry Mitchell got mm-hmm. his PhD out in California, and he was uh, challenging myself and others to go out there and pursue that. But I, I just wasn't going to California. I'm sorry, <laughs> no, no disrespect to my <laughs> California audience, but I, I didn't. That's, that wasn't what God is calling me to at that time. But what I'm saying, your your, your question is extremely relevant because the challenges are still there. And but, and this is why I really believe we need to push those African-American persons who have deep pockets, the Tyler Perry's and those persons who are the Oprah Winfrey's to support theological education and opportunities for African-Americans in black theological education. Mm-hmm. Because the same challenges that you have trying to get a PhD to teach at Harvard, Yale and so forth are even more difficult in the religious field. So yeah. I just think it's important that we continue to, to push those buttons and, and pursue those avenues because you're right. And thank you for asking that question because it, it is, it's is—it's a real issue. It's a real issue. Mm-hmm.
0: I, like I said, I, I know my sisters have some questions and that, that portion right there and, and because we as people of color, majority of us are deeply religious, deeply spiritual mm-hmm. in, in some form and that religion has been used to enslave mm-hmm. our body. Yes. And yet the very thing that that we have used to carry us through our spirituality is also the very place that the places that give us, quote, that we earn these degrees, that they are blocking so that we don't get in because they know that if we get a PhD in in Hebrew Bible and Old Testament, we get a PhD in New Testament, then we will begin to see the scriptures for what they really mean and no longer depend on them or
1: the interpretation, and okay. I think that leads to It's bias, bias, right? Right, and African. I think that that lead. That's another reason why those those of us who the Erica Dunbars, the um, Jermaine um, Marshals, Marshall. the 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 uh, soon to be my frat brother um, uh, uh, um, gosh, up in uh, up in Connecticut, Connecticut, yeah, Jeremy uh, Williams, uh, Jeremy Williams, the soon yeah. to be Jeremy. Those individuals, they're they're being they're going to be wooed by these white institutions okay mm-hmm. to to use it take their talents that they have you know that they you know their abilities and and take them over to their their institutions to teach their their mm-hmm. students y'all just missed that but see we we got to find a way to keep these individuals you know and we have to find financial the financial means Uh, to provide the incentives by which we can keep them to train Mm -hmm. others like Mm -hmm. us. That's an excellent uh, point that you raised, Dr. Mm -hmm. Burns. Um, It is so critical that we do that.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely.
3: Dr. Dr. Brown, can you talk about, um, we were talking about the Bible and how it has been used against us. Seminary allows you, uh, many of us did not take Greek and Hebrew in undergrad. However, you can do that in seminary. So you can translate the text. People get up there and use a Greek word, don't know that the verbs of Greek have to be conjugated. The nouns of Greek have to be conjugated. The adjectives have to be conjugated. You don't just conjugate a verb. So they Mm -hmm. use the words inappropriately. correct. And they Mm -hmm. continue to enslave us with even those of us who have gone to seminary. Mm -hmm. Because we shy away from the language, not recognizing that all of us our ancestors had to learn a language mm-hmm. that was not their own. And we are, we, we they say Blacks don't do well in languages. Not true. I, I would argue it is not true. Oh, no, not at all. Well, in languages. And there are people that are on this phone, well, not only on the call, but names that you have called already that are professors that had to know. The Greek and the Hebrew.
1: My my mentor, the late Thomas Hoyt, was a, a Greek scholar, mm-hmm. even uh-huh. though he was he was a mm-hmm. Greek scholar. And uh, I'm, I'm one of my colleagues now, Doctor Harold Bennett, who is the uh, president and dean of C H Mason, Charles Harrison Mason Mason's Theological Seminary, which is the culture constituency. He right. is a Hebrew scholar. Mm-hmm. As a matter of fact, he was in, I remember him in chapel um, a couple years ago, and he basically read the Bible, the Hebrew text, in Hebrew. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Everybody looking around scratching stuff. And he said, the reason I'm doing that is because you're not, you're, you're, you're used to this traditional rendition of the text. Right. But when you read it from the original language, language it at. has a totally different yeah. meaning. Yeah. And the other thing that bothers me when we're talking about um, uh, language, uh, and, and these, you know, uh, utilize it, it, it. I guess one of the things that irks me so much about a lot of these um, mega churches and these mega pastors who've never set foot on the seminary, they'll hear a word and, you know, a Hebrew word and it sounds good. Mm-hmm. I, and they'll say, come on and Shabbat, God. The-
3: <laughs> <laughs> Help us, Holy Ghost.
1: Yes. Give God a shabak, <laughs> You know, and that, you know, and, you know, that sounds good. And I remember Dr. Mitchell used to say, stop doing stuff that's just for pros. Make sure you tell people what that means to Shabbat. Wow. It's just one aspect of praise. And if you look at the particular context, it didn't mean what y'all think it means. Oh and so we just take that and run with it. Yeah. Oh man, I felt the ruach today. <laughs> you know, I mean, and, and I just Girl. anyway. I, I thank you for that. That that's an excellent point, and that's another reason why your butt needs to go to seminary. <laughs> Prepare. <laughs> you need to go to seminary to understand what you're saying. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because remember this. Remember, think about this. Think think about this. Eleven o'clock. On Sunday morning, the preacher has the total attention, for the most part, of (laughs) the congregation. Mm -hmm. They're listening to every single word you're saying. Mm -hmm. And and they're taking what you say and applying it to their lives. And if you're saying something that that doesn't make sense, then you're misleading your folk. And you don't even know you're misleading. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Right. Somebody just said making noise with no power or anointing. You're absolutely mm-hmm. right, Sister Cole. Make it. I mean, that's a, an empty wagon makes a whole lot of noise. What yeah. I've to been told. Yeah. And so, you know, I just think that it's it's great to get that theological training and understand and get that language. But even when you get it, know when to use it. Yeah. And understand what it means when you're using it. Um, I remember. And and Dr. Burns, I remember I know you know Dr. uh Ndugu toforiata mm-hmm. Oh wow. You know, he, he I remember he 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 God. he he preached in chapel one, one, one Tuesday and his sermon was ooh <laughs> that was his sermon. It was about the oohness of God. <laughs> Did y'all hear that? <laughs> it, because he, his argument was that, that that David had those moments where all he could do was, oh, God. You know, oh. and, and he broke that down in his Hebrew translation. And so a lot of us were walking out of there talking about, what are talking about? Who? But, when, but when you understood and listened to what he was saying, he said, God speaks to us in a moment. Mm-hmm. And, and that in that ooh moment, it it brings he, his argument was it brings such a peace and a calmness to your spirit, mm-hmm. and it lets you know that once again, Jehovah Shalom is in charge. Yes, Lord. Mm-hmm. So so let's just be you know you know let's just be careful about how we use certain things, certain languages. Mm-hmm. You know, even Aramaic. You know, Jesus spoke Aramaic. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So when you start to look at Jesus on the cross and He says, "Eli, lama uh, sabakatina, my God, my God, why hast Thou forsaken me?" But yet, back in the garden, He's saying, "You know, nevertheless, not as I will, but Thou will." So you see this contradiction, it seemingly, but it's not a contradiction. It's a reality of Him crying out in His in His human physical nature. That what we would say if we were on that cross. Oh, that's y'all right. that. But anyway, yeah. he said, <laughs> he, w- he wants us to identify with that. Yeah. And that's where we have to go with the text. That's where we have to go with the scriptures. It's about getting your folk to identify, mm. not just with the God of the Bible, but with the Christ of the Bible. In fact, with mm. the spirit of the mm-hmm. Bible.
3: Mm-hmm. The liberation of the body.
2: <clears throat> They're not they don't know the languages anyway.
1: So why bec- right? Because the right. But before liberation comes what? Bondage. Yeah. Bondage. You can't be liberated unless right. you've been in bondage. And in the wilderness. <laughs> uh, yeah. That's right. And a lot of us are still in bondage, and we're putting our folk in bondage because yeah. we ain't been liberated yet.
0: Yeah. Jesus. Huh?
1: We we, we 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 haven't been liberated in our minds we think we are but we haven't been liberated by the word see let me give you an example in 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 John's gospel i believe it is um Jesus meets this man who's blind and he heals him and the first thing that well first of all after he's blind you know, he, he he tells, you know, he goes and tells to go show yourself, you know, to the to the priest and they put him out because they don't understand. And, and that's what a lot of us do in the church. <laughs> when folk have an experience with Christ because we don't understand Christ, we put them out. <laughs> um, that's intense. Now, let me give you another example. Now, I guess I'm going into my, by the way, my uh, focus in seminary when I went and my focus on my doctorate was uh, preaching Uh, because I studied under uh, Samuel Proctor. I studied under Otis Moss. I studied Mm -hmm. under um, uh, Henry and Ella Mitchell. Uh, These persons helped shape my preaching. You understand that Mitchell talks about celebration and experience in preaching. Mm -hmm. Yep, 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 yep. Yep. You understand that, right? Yeah, yeah. Yep. Y- y- y'all know that that preaching is substantially divine activity,
3: mm-hmm.
1: wherein the word of God is proclaimed or mm-hmm. announced on contemporary issues with an ultimate view towards our God. But what does that mean? <laughs> preaching is about experiential movement. Don't get yes, that. It's not about just sitting up there and just, "Mm, yeah, Lord, uh, have mercy. That ain't preaching. That's, That's tuning. It sounds good, but it ain't preaching. Because what preaching does is to, number one, help you see that you're in bondage to something. Number two, help you to understand why you're in bondage to it. And then number three, they help you show your way out of the bondage. Preaching is about experiential movement. Yeah. Moving you from where you are yeah. to where God would have you to be. You understand what I'm saying? You can't do that without going to a seminary. Right understanding that first of all, while some of us have points, y'all call them points, what they really are is movements experiential movements from one place to the next. And what you are building to is a crescendo that we call celebration. That's it. You can't get to celebration until you first deal with your experience. Yes, sir. Listen, sir.
2: (laughs) Reach. Yeah, yeah. Take a sip and keep on going.
3: (laughs) (laughs) On the good side.
1: On the good side. See, because I remember... When I was in seminary, uh, one of my classmates, very dear, from my frat brother, as a matter of fact, his name is um, uh, oh, damn, his name would escape me now. Um, Parker, EJ Parker, A.M.E. brother, one of the best preachers you will never know hmm. in the A.M.E. church. Now, this brother and I was sitting around, and we used to, and this is another thing I would recommend that you do as preachers. Talk about the text.
3: Yes, with somebody. Don't, right. Yes.
1: Don't just jump into it. Call Venisi. Doc Burns, I'm thinking about doing with this text. What you think? What do you see in this text? Mm-hmm. Now, in Genesis <laughs> chapter six, there's a story of Noah. Yeah. Who builds the ark? Okay. Y'all know that story, right? Okay. Everybody know that. Everybody know it if you're from DC. Everybody. Everybody. <laughs> That was Noah's call, number one. He was All called right. to build an ark. All mm-hmm. right. <laughs> Y'all just missed that. That oh, was the yeah. only call. Got it. Now, I, I wrote a, we wrote a sermon after our discussion, and we called the sermon, What If It Doesn't Rain? Well, mm. Mm. well now that's good. Mm. Think about this for a second. God told Moa to build Noah Moa, Noah to build this ark on a mountain 50 miles from water of any kind and told him the specifics of it. Number one, didn't give him any money to build. (laughs) That's a whole issue in and of itself. Number two, didn't give him any help to build. All right. And so number three, never told him when the rain was going to come, when he built it. Mm. So Noah either had to have a deep dependency on God or he had to be some kind of man himself. My God. And so my point in that sermon is, what if Noah went through all of that building, all of that supply getting, all of that cajoling, all of the mocking that he probably got from people around him, all of that, and it didn't rain? Mm. You see, but 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 this has to be something in Noah that kept him building in spite of what was going on. He kept building. So what he was the call was oh Lord have mercy. His call to do it was greater than his fear or doubts not to do it.
3: All right now. Preach. That'll yes, work that'll yes, preach. Yes, yes. That'll yes. preach.
1: And it's already that preaching. Preach. And so what happens to us? Your call to do something has to be greater than your fears not to. Oh, no. You talking to me. Uh, So don't sit here and tell me, oh, I don't need seminary. You'll never get it.
0: My God. That's
1: right. And guess what? Thank God Noah kept on building. Mm. Yes. Thank God Mm. he kept on hammering. Yes, sir. In 110 degree weather, he kept on building, y'all, kept Mm. on hammering because he knew by and by after a while God was Mm. gonna send some rain. Mm. 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 And so that's what that's that's what seminary really teaches you. What if, and I tell my students this when they come to seminary, what if you come here and you don't get what you think you are, what you expect to receive. Because what seminary is a journey. Seminary is a journey. It's a journey. It's a journey. What do you take when you go on a journey? You take luggage. And all seminary asks you to do is open your luggage. It doesn't tell you to throw everything you got with that you came out. It just asks you to open your luggage. You might want to take some of the stuff that you learned with you. Yellow. Wow. wow. That's what, That's why you need seminary.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I, you think I could talk the way I'm talking now if I didn't go to seminary? I die. <laughs> that right there. Mm. That's right. right. Your call to do what God has called you to do has to be greater than your fears not to do it. Mm-hmm. That's mm. why. That's why people have a problem tithing in church. Oh. because their fear of not having overrides their belief that God will still provide and that's why I say tithing ain't got nothing to do with trust <laughs> about God <laughs> it's not can you trust God the question is can God trust you yep in it, sir. all right I'm sorry
2: no mm-hmm.
0: sir uh, <laughs> stay right there stay right there mm. Mm. Mm-hmm.
1: We have folk we have folk in our church, and I'm talking about the Sammy church, unfortunately, who who love to be seen oh. You oh, know, and recognized. Mm-hmm. And, and 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 my my position is ladies, I even believe people seek positions because of that need. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. need to di- it's, it's that unsatiable need mm. for people to see you. Wow. it's more than just power. You you have to be seen, and and when your when your desire to be seen is greater than your desire to respond to what God has called you to do, that's a problem. My God! Yeah,
2: my God!
1: That's a problem, and that's it. And again. Some people come to seminary, hmm. and then some folks go through seminary, <laughs> and they have what <laughs> the late doctor cemetery. they have what I mean, the late doctor when they came and dead when they leave. Right, they have what the late Doctor David T. Shannon calls a Teflonic experience. Hmm. You are coming through, and ain't nothing sticking to you. So you oh. just basically go oh, one going through one door and out the other. Mm-hmm. And see, I, I had a, a New Testament professor in Dr. Um, Abraham Smith. Yes. Mm. And, yes. And, and Dr. Smith, you know, I, I remember he was working on his PhD at Vanderbilt when he yes. was teaching at ITC. Mm. And, Dr., and Dr. Smith, there was this one Kojic brother, mm. because Dr. Smith was telling us the challenge of the scripture, yeah, And it, it challenged your traditional view and understanding of the text. Mm-hmm. And this one coaching brother got upset. Same brother that got upset in Dr. John Diamond's class. But anyway, he oh, got no. upset. And he happened to say under his breath, man, do you have any any religion? You know, are you saved? And Dr. Smith had his back to him. He's on the wall, on the chalkboard, writing something. And when he heard the brother he stopped, turned around said, what you saying? <laughs> and he said, well, I'm just saying, you know, you're teaching all these theories that, you know, it, it, it seemed like I come to seminary and ain't nobody in here saved. He said, let me tell wow. you something. He said, don't you ever question whether or not I'm saved. Yeah. He said, I come from a family of eight, I think yeah. he said, and, and my mama died when I was a baby. My blind father raised all of us. My- we went to church every Sunday. He said, I I pray when I'm walking Man, this cat, by the time he got finished With him, we were ready to take up an offering So what I'm saying The only reason I'm telling you All that story is This is what seminary offers you It offers you The opportunity to dialogue With professors who have Shared experiences as you have Don't think just because They're your professor and they know it all That they ain't gone through some stuff Yes, they have in fact, most of us have. So I, you've been called to a ministry of suffering. They, listen suffer if you accept your call. That's where Bonhoeffer talks about cheap grace, and yes. costly grace. Yes, wow. you understand what I'm saying. Yes. Bonhoeffer, Bonhoeffer. Oh, I could get into the, I could yes. get into this issue between Bonhoeffer and uh, Niebuhr, but I, I don't mm-hmm. want to go there. But anyway. Mm-hmm. You can't be black and not understand the sufferings in the Bible from an existential point of view. Say that because that's our reality. Wow! So when you start thinking about whether or not you should go to seminary, trust me, honey, there's no question. The reason the question is, why ain't you in seminary? That's it. That's the question. And by the way, if I may, Dr. Burns, why aren't you at ITC or Howard or Shaw or one of these black seminaries where they're going to, where their pedagogy is unapologetically black and unapologetically Afrocentric? Money. Because we understand we're not here on our own. Our ancestors are the reason that we're here. Don't so we you? have an understanding of what we call Sankofa. We have to yeah. reach back and fetch. Yeah. You know, and yes. bring forth to the front. Are y'all hearing me? Yes, sir. Because you can't do this thing by yourself. Every yes. Sunday mm-hmm. when I preached, when I used to preach, I don't get invitations anymore. But when I used to preach, <laughs> I understood that I couldn't get in that pulpit on my own. I come, needed come, my mama. Come on, come help. On. I needed Bishop Hoyt no. help. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about when I was pastoring y'all. Mm-hmm. Lord have mercy, Jesus. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Why do I need seminary? My God. <laughs>
2: My God. Ask
1: me another question. Yes, sir. <laughs> yes, sir. No, no, you stepping in it right there. But
2: Chad um, Chad Steens is asking you to explain again what to do with the knowledge of seminary for today. Ah, Chad. Chad, my man.
0: And, let me and, say this. And, and Dean, so you'll know, you got by, we got about eight minutes left.
1: So go ahead. <laughs> I love you too, Vanicia. Well, Chad, let me say this. Seminaries are now reinventing, or should I say, re-envisioning themselves to realize that the task now is to reimagine what ministry is going to look like as we progress okay. further into this century.
0: Okay, Dean, Dean, let me let me let me do this. There's another question. So do Chad and this one so you can have both of them, so you'll know how to be able to balance your time. Okay, here's this other one. Go ahead.
2: I'm I'm interested in trying to figure out what type of seminary, conservative versus liberal or somewhere in between.
1: OK. All right. Let so
0: me, deal with Chad's question and, and then this one.
1: OK. All right. Somebody read. Uh, OK. Uh, what can I take from seminary to today? Chad, seminaries today, all of them, white and black, are struggling with the issue of how to do ministry, not just in a covid-19 reality, but in 21st century. Because you're dealing with a totally different dynamic. First of all, people are not going to sit for a two-hour service anymore. That's over. And those churches that are still doing that are finding challenges. Because people's attention spans are not that that long. Now, those of us who are over 60, yeah, we we can deal with sitting down for a long time. But the, the reality of it is you have to think about how to present the gospel in such a way that you're going to reach people in a short period of time. God is still God. There ain't nothing about God that changed, okay? The question of who God is and why we're here and what is my purpose in life, those are endearing questions. And you have to be able to find a way to answer that even today, those questions have not changed. And so what seminaries are doing today is helping you to do that, to find ways, creative ways, through social media, through whatever medium to answer those questions and to deal with the reality of where we are today with today's generation. This generation of folk, Don't think and don't be misled to think that they don't love God or know who God is. They do, and they want to know God, and they want a relationship with God. Mm -hmm. Our challenge as seminarians is how to present the God of the Bible to them in a way that they will understand and that they will be attracted to. Now, let me just say this. It's not about coming up with new gimmicks. God is still God, and the word of God says, if I be lifted up, God will do the drawing. Yes. you so just have to find a new way to lift God up. How about that? Now, mm-hmm. Sister Bradford, what was your question?
2: Um, oh, I think the person was asking whether she should go to um, oh, a conservative, conservative or liberal. Yeah, and, but Chad said that he's at Perkins. That's a great school.
1: That's where I graduated from. Listen, let me tell you something. Perkins, a lot of these seminaries are conservative. A lot of them are liberal, and some, you know, you have a combination of both. And, and my thing is this, if you go to a, a specific seminary that's either conservative or liberal, you're, you're, you're going to be missing something. So you, you need as many views as possible that's to right. broaden your scope of what ministry really is. That's right. So I'm not going to sit here and advocate for one seminary over the next. I went to ITC, which was traditionally a liberal seminary. But I also went to United, which is, consistent, consi- which is considered somewhat of a conservative seminary. So I had an opportunity to experience both. Thank and I hear. just think that you need both of that. And that's probably the problem with us as people. We, have, we see things linearly. It's either this way or that way. That's right. And that's where our problems lie.
0: Yeah. I think Connie Jackson, oh. um,
2: Dr. Bradford, yeah. go ahead. Yeah, um, African-American seminaries have to have to do a better job of providing money for scholarships. Most PWIs are able to give scholarships and internships. This is why I went to Perkins, because I got a scholarship. Oh, go ahead. Most African-American ministers aren't pastoring churches that allows them to spend $60,000 for an MDF. Let's do better.
1: Let me just say this. That, thank you, Connie. That's an excellent point, and that is the challenge. Of black theological education,
0: yeah. and
1: that's why when I share with Dr. Burns, you know, when we want to talk about this seminary relevant. I looked at it from the perspective of what are the challenges of African American seminaries, and one of our challenges obviously is money. But I want to ask you this question. You can go to a PWI and they can offer you all kinds of money, but they can also teach you something that's totally left from what you want to be able to know and therefore equip your folks with. So is the sacrifice worth it? I think it is. Yeah, I think it is. I don't think you can. Listen, I don't think there I don't think there is a PWI in this country that can hold up to a Howard, ITC, Shaw, Paint, any of them. Pain. They, can't right. they can't hold a candle. To I'm just and I'm not being biased, I'm being honest because can't nobody know. tell our stories like us. I'm sorry, mm-hmm. and I'm you not. are not going to get that at a PWI. As a matter know. of fact, one of my former students, Dr. J- uh, Reverend Jerry Christian Jr., working on his PhD at Duke, got into a verbal, heated confrontation with one of his professors at Duke about an issue <laughs> of black theology in the Bible. His professor didn't even want to acknowledge black theology. Right. Yeah. They call that they call that uh, heresy. Exactly. Yeah. Why, why do we need black theology? Yeah. Um, um, you know, um, Connie, now, I'm black. is telling
2: you that she's a graduate of ITC as well. Praise so, God, Connie, was, you woman. Yeah, she was bringing the point out. Um, but yeah, she is an ITC graduate. Is our time spent already? Wow.
0: Yeah. Wow. 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 And I um. Yvonne okay, yeah, Johnson is <laughs>
2: Yes,
1: you know I went to. Um, Wait a second. Um, let me just say this: here. Sister Johnson is saying PWI has the resources. How do you know black schools don't have the resources? Well, that ain't the question, Doc. The
3: question is, white schools have money because they've had
1: free labor. I was about to say yes. the same thing. And let me and let me tell you all this. Listen,
3: century, listen, I, let me tell you this. I Dr. I, Wallace. And I said me, I wasn't gonna
1: talk. Doc, Dr. Wallace, let me tell you this. No, no, no. She's she's right. And the, here's the no. point: Columbia here in Atlanta has recognized that fact. And so what they did this year, they allowed the incoming MDiv students who were black to not have to pay their tuition.
2: (gasps) Look at God. They
1: can do that because they have a a, a $200 million endowment. We don't have that, and I respect that. I really do. I respect seminaries that, and I wish, and I argue with it every single day as part of my job as dean. I have to beg my graduates like Sister Burns to give more, not just to Phillips, but to the ITC so that we can have it. Well, here's what we do as black people. Unfortunately, we can go to HBCUs and we can go to uh, to, to the ITCs, to Howard's, to Shaw's, and we can get our degree and we leave and we don't support them financially. That, that, that's, that's it right there. That's a, problem. That's that's it. That's a, problem. a big part of it. And when I see somebody saying, we got to do a better job. No, our graduates need to do a better job. If it oh my- ain't- Yes. Mary McCray <laughs> Bethune started a school with a dollar and a half. Yes. That, what's the name of the school? Bethune, Bethune. College. And it's right. still in my sister. Now. My sister, it. you I'm can Google it. this. My sister, Norma Clayton, is the chair of the board of Tuskegee University. Mm. And she is arguing and fighting tooth and claw. And they just found out under my sister's leadership that they're number seven in terms of value of HBCUs. Wow. That's um, my sister, yep. a black woman yes, who happens to be a Delta, by the way. Anyway, I'm just saying,
0: I'm just saying,
1: I'm just saying.
0: Okay. Uh, y'all, we thank you all for, uh, for being with us on today. We are at our time. You all, if you want Dr. Brown to come back and visit us again, put that in uh, the chat button, put, put, that, put that in there for us. Um, please remember to like, to tag, and to share. And we thank you for being with us on this week.